at this time, if you're able to rest upon your feet, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 413, hymn 413, just over in glory land, and then we'll have an opening word of prayer afterwards. Hymn 413, hymn 413, just over in glory land. Hymn 413, just over in the glory land, sing along. I've a home prepared with the saints above, just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side, just over in the glory land.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so excited and privileged to be here this evening, Lord, uh, with our missionaries, Lord, opening up uh, our opening night of uh, the Missions Conference, Lord. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that uh, your saints will be edified uh, this evening, but also, and more importantly, you be glorified in this evening as well. It is in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated at this time.
Amen. The Bible says it's the foolishness of preaching, but there's got to be a subject, amen, and that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way we get there, and all God's people can say, amen. So let's just count our blessings, amen. Let's all stand. Hymn number 504. Sing that song. Count your blessings. Amen. 504, count your blessings, hymn 504. Sing along. Oh, when you find life billows, you are tempest tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has church yet, amen? Y'all doing all right. Now, you know, the sad thing about it is only two more nights left this week. All right? So uh, tomorrow night and Friday night, and so let me encourage you, everybody be back tomorrow night. 
Amen. If, uh, if you'll be back and then we have a few more come, we'll have another good crowd. Amen. Hey. So uh, let me encourage you, you be back and, uh, and please call and invite folks to be back ready to go. Uh, I'm excited about what God has for us this year through our mission conference. Yes, yes. God has already blessed this past year. You've given over and above uh, our faith promise already, and we've still got a few weeks left, and so I'm thankful for that. Now, the best thing that we can do is just to continue, but the only way we can continue is to obtain the help of God. Amen. And so let me encourage you, uh, please, please be back tomorrow night, 530 if you'd like to eat. Anybody here not like to eat? Okay, so I thought, I know, right? So be back tomorrow evening at 5.30. Uh, the menu's out there. If you don't like what's on the menu, bring something because the fellowship is good too. And uh, be here ready to go tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock. Be back in your place. Now, these are our mission, our Faith Promise Missions card. And if you did not get one of those, we want you to have one. If you didn't get one this week, just please uh, raise your hand. There's a few. There you go. Uh, keep them up, all right? We want you to make sure you have one. And uh, uh, Sunday morning, we'll, we will take these up. Don't turn them back in yet because we're just getting started. The Lord may touch your heart about something, and uh, we want you to do what he wants, amen? And uh, so please, you pray as to what God would have you do uh, for Faith Promise Missions this year. And then uh, Sunday, at the, Sunday morning at the end of our worship, we will... Uh, take these up, so please just uh, put them in your Bible, pray over them, and uh, again, ask God what he would have you do this next year uh, for the cause of Christ. Good to have all of our uh, folks with us, the Brother Paul uh, Sharon and Miss Lisa are here this evening, Amen. Uh, Brother Tyler Yates here from the uh, Yucatan Peninsula, he's Amen. here with, and Mrs. Cato, she's here tonight, I'm glad she's here. Oh, yeah, and Brother Cato's here with her, amen? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know how I missed him, amen? <laughs> uh, but we're going to have a good time. Yes, so uh, yes, tomorrow night, uh, Brother H is going to be showing his video. Amen. And then uh, brother, uh, Friday night, Brother Cato's going to be preaching for us. Then we're going to have some videos from our missionaries on Sunday as well. Remember, all of our adults, even our kids, I believe, are coming uh, in for Sunday school this Sunday, so please, uh, let's just pray hard and uh, be faithful. Remember, and church, by the way, thank you for the uh, the uh, the picture thing that you gave me uh, Sunday. That was awesome. Uh, Dad's secret formula, Brother Paul, for uh, church growth. And y'all remember what they were? Faithfulness, hard work, and lots of prayer. Yep, that's his secret formula. Huh. Seems like that ought to be in here somewhere, amen. Uh, so anyway, but I'm glad that you're here tonight and uh, appreciate you coming. We're going to take up an offering, and uh, the offering, we're going to use that for our missionaries this week. And uh, so please, you uh, give as unto the Lord, and uh, may God bless you as you give. Dear Father, we're thankful, Lord, for our folks that are here. Thank you, Lord, for uh, their willingness to come, Lord, and their faithfulness, Lord, their obedience. I'm thankful, God, that they've chosen to be here and and so lord i pray god that you'd bless tonight be brother sharon as he preaches lord and i pray that you'd give him liberty and lord may he preach what you have for us god this week and i pray that we will accept it receive it lord and use it uh, god in our daily lives it would help us and strengthen us in faith promise missions and we give you praise now we pray that god that you'd uh, please bless this offering 
We ask you, Lord, to bless the gift and the giver and help us to be good stewards of it, Lord. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. upon your feet one more time we would love for you to join us in singing a familiar hymn hymn 596 hymn 596 victory in jesus hymn 596 
que me separó de Cristo el Rey. Era tan grande que cruzar nunca logré. Me fue imposible un pecador cumplir su ley. Clame a Dios llegar a ti nunca podré. Cuando yo no pude ir a Él, Él vino a mí. Cristo murió. Ay, en la cruz, cuando yo Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you know, uh, Brother Yates, there's something you're not supposed to do when you're in a conference is show up the guy that's preaching. <laughs> it's, uh, it's bad enough he already is better looking than me. He can sing, play an instrument, and then sing in another language. So I'll tell you what. Wow. He was going to be with us next month, but... Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Love that he can be a blessing like that. What a, what a privilege just to have missionaries with us today. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Paul Sharon. Miss Lisa, if you'll stand. This is my wife, Lisa, 30, almost 33 years, and thankful for her. We have the privilege of pastoring in Hillsboro, Texas, which is about 75 miles south of here, uh, down in God's country, where we still have woods. Amen. Uh, less concrete and stuff like that. And uh, we also have the privilege of uh, leading the Independent Baptist Builders, and we are very blessed to be a part of uh, many aspects of the ministry and are thankful God uses people like us. Uh, I am thankful and blessed to uh, know this church and know your preacher and his wife. They are wonderful people. It is a privilege to be here tonight. I have been praying about what God would have me to lead off with. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of if someone gives you a theme to stay with the theme. I can't tell you how many times I've had people who uh, would, uh, I'd be given a theme to them and they would start off and never preach on the theme. And so I want us to begin in Acts chapter 26 tonight because I believe that we ought to start with that theme and in order to stay with it if that's what you're asked to preach on. I love themes, by the way. If you'll stand with me, we'll read verse 22. If you'll turn me down just a hair, brother, I'm a little hot and uh, I would usually get loud anyway. Acts 26, verse 22. You should be very familiar with it by now. Uh, but let's go ahead and read it together because you can never have too much of the Word of God. Amen. Verse 22 says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Very powerful verse. Not only help us to stay the course, but to continue on once we found that course. 
Let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we thank you so much for being in your house tonight. Thank you for the crowd you've brought out. Thank you for the music's prepared our hearts. Father, we ask you now to help us to do some very serious business here, and that's to hear from you. Not only just to hear from you, but to respond to you tonight. Lord, I pray that I'll be able to communicate the things you've given me for this church, the message that will help them to see the importance of continuing and staying on the right course and staying the course you've given. And Lord, I know that we're in what some people call difficult times. Some people call them unique times. But Lord, we also know this, you've not changed. And we can depend on you no matter what's happening around us. So Father, help us tonight to communicate that. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin this journey uh, to stay the course, I wanted to hopefully get us off on the right foot. I really uh, have been begging God to give me something to not just, you know, tap the, the bells and ring the, the bells and, and blow the whistles. I want to get something that would help you to see that you can continue in this day and time. You can stay the course. I know the world's gone left. I know everything is going backwards. I know it's, it's not going to get any better. But that doesn't affect God and God's people. We can still do what we are called to do. And so I hopefully can get us off on that right foot. It seems that in the day in which we live, things have become very, very uncertain. Or at least that's the perception. It's, it appears as though things are off the rails. But can I tell you, God is not caught off guard. God knows exactly what was going to happen, is going to happen. Uh, I was thinking about what was going on in Israel and how horrible this event is going over there. God was not surprised about any of this. Uh, he knew this was going to happen and he knew what was going to take place here in this meeting. What you and I have to do is plug in to what he has given us to stay on track with, to stay on course, to continue. So as I pondered this theme and the perception of the day we live in, uh, I began to ask myself some questions. Uh, how can we stay on this right course? How can we continue with ch times changing all around us? Uh, or may maybe we would at least think that. Uh, worst case in my mind was that Christians would begin to say, I know the promises of God, but it doesn't seem relevant to us today. I've heard Christians say that. I've had many people who call themselves Christians even say, I don't know this book is relevant. Well, shame on you. This is the most relevant thing we have ever right here. This is more important than the news. This is more accurate than the news. There's no lies here. And so we can depend upon this. So the short answer is all things are possible with the Lord. We can do this. Uh, but can we see something that will give us an example and help us find application that we can do this in our day and time that will strengthen us? So I want to begin today by looking uh, at a man that we are very familiar with or should be familiar with. His name is Abraham. And so if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, I want to look at a little bit of his story. I think he can be a help to us. You know, when you need to know some good answers, the best place to go is back to where it all began. Genesis is a great book to give you answers for almost any question you have. In Genesis chapter 12, we're familiar here with the fourth covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is given here. 
The Bible says in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house and into a land that I will show thee. God asked him to uh, step out of his comfort zone and go to this new place. And, and he is giving him this direction. He's giving him that call and the promises that God makes to him. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, watch this. I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. God gave him a promise here that he was going to give him a great name, protection, and land. The problem is, as we progress on, a decade passes, and Abraham and his wife still don't have a child, much less a nation. And if you're thinking with me properly, you're probably saying, you know, I've been in my lifetimes where I have I've had God tell me, give me direction, and it didn't happen quite as fast as I thought. And maybe you can equate the same mindset of Abraham saying, God, do I need to help you? Uh, God, is, are you really true with your word? God, are you going to come through with what you said? Because that's exactly what Abraham has. He has this season of doubt. God's told him to go do something and he has to continue on and stay the course, but it's not happening the way he thinks it should happen. Can I just tell you, when it comes to things like faith promise, if you've got it figured out, you're not doing it right. That's not faith. If you say, well, I've got a budget, I can make it work, that, that's not faith. Sometimes you're going to have some times where you're not going to be able to see just how God can do this. That doesn't mean it's not right. It just means you're not let God show you yet what he wants or how he wants. If we go just a little bit further here, I would say that most of us would say that we struggle waiting for answers, you know, a week or a month. That's a long time. A decade, that would probably kill most of us. I'm not a very patient person. You can ask my wife. If we talk about things, I want them to happen immediately. I've kind of fall victim. I'll admit to you, I've kind of fallen into this microwave society. I like things to happen fast. If I go to McDonald's and they take more than a minute, I'm upset. Amen? And I'm just being honest with you. That's the kind of the world we live in. And I think that if we're honest, we oftentimes aren't patient enough to let God do what He wants to do with us. Maybe some of you have already made up your mind what you're going to give. Instead of letting God show you what he wants you to give. What if God has something different than you have in your mind? Maybe you say, well, I already know what I can give. Listen, that's not faith. That's not what God's trying to get across here. Maybe even some here are struggling with what you've already been giving. And you say, well, how can I keep giving this way things are changing? Well, let's think about something. In Mark 16, verse 20, the Bible says this, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. You need to understand, we're not in this by ourselves. God's not going to ask you to do something that He's not going to help you with. Maybe we ought to get that a little bit. God's not asking you to step out there by yourself and do something that is unique. God said, I want you to get out there and trust me and let me show you. You know, the only place in Scripture where God ever talks about proving anything is when it deals with money. You know why? Because we're hard-headed. We're hard-headed. We, we, we think that God can save us for eternity, but He can't handle our wallet. Okay, let's move on. Abraham is a good example for us in this case. Abraham has a discussion with God. If you flip over to verse uh, chapter 15 with me. In chapter 15, God is having to listen to Abraham 
plead his case or maybe question, if you will, what's going on. In verse number 2 of chapter 15, notice this. Abraham said, Lord, God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. So Abraham, he is kind of like us. He says, you know, Lord, I know you want me to do something, and you've made promises to me, and you've given me this direction, but I'm childless. Now understand this, Eliezer was a good man, very loyal, very trustworthy, but he was not what God promised. Some people might say, well, you know, I'm going to give a good amount, preacher. I'm going to write a good check every week, and it may be a good amount, but it may may not be what God wants you to give. Just because something sounds good, looks good, doesn't mean that's always the answer. It's almost here as if Abraham is saying, God, I can let you off the hook. God, I can help you out. You know, a lot of times we as believers, we try to help God out with what he wants us to do. Now, God, I'm sure you have the same number in mind that I have, and it only has one zero in it, you know. We try to let God off the hook. We try to help him out. But what if God has more than what we're thinking? To God, so God says to Abraham, look up at the stars. Count them for me. I don't know how long that took. But I imagine it took a while. And finally I bet Abraham said, okay, I get it. I get it. There's a bunch of them. I can't even count them all. Someone said that there's between 200 and 400 billion stars in our galaxy. I don't know how they can count that high. But the same guys who say that said that there's also 200 billion galaxies just like ours. And the promise was made to Abraham that his family would be like those stars without number. Massive. Now that sounds like a huge thing to take in, doesn't it? Considering has no child. Now listen to me, church. I want you to get this. This is a lot to take in when you don't even have one child at home and you've been on Medicare and Social Security for two decades. Are you with me? He's not a young man. His wife's not a young lady. And God has made this promise. And Abraham wants to please God. He is a friend of God. But this just seems impossible. You ever been there? God, I don't know how I'm going to give that much this week. I mean, God, you know what I make. You know what my bills are. You know how the kids are always in this. I've got troubles. I've got bills. I've got medical things. God knows. He knew before it happened. With Abraham, we moved into a new dispensation. Now, please get this. A decade after the dispensation has occurred, God begins to reassure Abraham that he can stay the course, he can continue on if he'll just remember what God has done. In chapter 15 here, verse 9 through 18, I want you to see how God reminds him of this And this is really what I think we need to get. In verse 9, he says to him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. 
And when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was gone down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out of a great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, and the inquiry of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace, watch this, and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river Egypt unto the great river Euphrates. God reveals to him, again, the promise he's already given him, but he showed him now how it was going to come to be. You see, the covenant that God was showing Abram here is a covenant they had been very familiar with. God allowed them to take something that they knew and put it into his use for his glory. And so what happened was they would take these animals to make a covenant and they'd cut the animals in half and they'd put half of it over here and half over here. Blood, guts, all of it there exposed. Very gory, very bloody. By the way, I like blood, amen. I'm thankful for it. I was saved because of the blood, amen? Amen. All of that laid out there, and then the person who made the covenant would then walk between the pieces, and as he walked between the pieces, he was saying to the person who was on the other side, if I fail to hold my covenant with you, let this be to me like these animals. Death. And then the person who was going to be the recipient of the covenant would come behind, walk between the same pair of animals, cut all the blood, all the gore, and he was to say... If I fail to pay my debt, then let it be to me as these animals. Would it be nice if we held our word that high in regard today? Remember a day when a handshake was good? When a man's word meant something? God made a covenant here with Abraham. The only problem was only one side of this could be kept. You see, God could hold his end... The problem was man, whether it was Abraham or any other, couldn't hold his part. In verse 17, God reveals to us the answer to this problem. While he's having this dream, he notices the smoking furnace and the burning lamp pass between the two pieces, one on the left and one on the right. The furnace was representation of man and his inability, while the lamp was a picture of the Shekinah, or the majesty of God. God was saying to Abraham, you can't walk between these pieces, Abraham, because you can't keep your end. You can't honor this covenant because you're not able to be perfect and holy. You can't hold your side. And if you walk between these pieces and you fail, you will die. So God walked between the pieces for both of us. So God himself walks between the pieces as to say, I'm the covenant giver and I'm the covenant keeper. He says, I will keep every word of the covenant that I have promised. I will keep my side because I am God and I am perfect and I'll keep your side because you're man and you're imperfect. 
hear God say to Abraham, you can't reach perfection, but I am perfection. You can't reach holiness, but I am holiness. You say, well, how could God do that if he was going to have to die? He's going to have to die because man's going to fail. And yet you and I look back now some 2,000 years and we see how God fulfilled this covenant when Christ died on the cross of Calvary. So we understand that Jesus had to be all God so he could not fail at all man because he had to die. You say, preacher, how does that help us? Well, you see, that same covenant that God gave to Abraham, he's given to us. Say, where do you find that? Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 says in the scripture, For seeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. God's given the same promise to us as he has to Abraham, that if you will continue, if you will stay the course, he will do his part. Even when it seems impossible. Even when it seems like, I don't know how I can make this happen. Now, Abraham, he, he has to learn from this, and man, does he learn. Listen, you have to, to really see the growth here in Abraham to appreciate this. So go to chapter 22 with me. And we see the test for Abraham. Can I tell you that from time to time, you're going to be tested in your Christian walk. You know what, one way is a good test is to see how faithful we are with our faith in our giving. You mean tell you a good way you can please your Heavenly Father is by faith you give even when you don't think you can. You say, well, that's bad business. I don't care if it's bad business or good business. It's being faithful unto the Lord. Don't let the world rob you from doing what God's told you to do. Now watch this. In chapter 22, uh, I'll just read part of this. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. But it says in verse 1, And it came to pass after these things, what things? God has revealed multiple times to Abraham that he is who he says he is. God has showed himself true to Abraham. Abraham has, has journeyed and he has learned. He's now seeing some of the land. He is now seeing some growth. Oh, by the way, after he's messed things up once and God's got him straight, now he has that child. He's only got one, but he's got to start. Amen? Amen. you got to start somewhere, don't you? After these things came to pass, uh, God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now, here's the thing. In chapter 12, he says, God, I don't even have a child. How am I going to fulfill this? Now he has that child and he's thinking to himself, okay, now we're going the way it should go. I have the child. Somehow we're going to have more. He's going to have a lot of children. Now, Lord, it's finally working. God says, okay, I want you to take him and sacrifice him. Now, most of us would say, okay, well, Lord, isn't that counterproductive? I mean, you want us to have a nation to come from him, but now you want me to kill him? Most of us, I would submit to you, maybe all of us would say, That doesn't work. I don't know about you, but to think that I would do this with my son, I would have failed this test again. No doubt. But Abraham doesn't fail this time. You know why? Because he learned that God's covenant is true. He learned God's promises can be trusted. So this time when his son Isaac says to him, 
Dad, I see the fire, uh, the fire, I see the wood, but where is the offering? What does Abraham say? God will provide himself a lamb. How could he say that? Because he realized that he could trust God because God doesn't fail. God's promise was that he was going to have many nations, great, a great nation, a large family, and all of this. By the way, now we're three and a half decades later. 35 years later. That's been, it would kill me. I couldn't wait that long. That's amazing to me, but yet he's still staying the course. Isn't it amazing what a little long time of God will do in your life? Between chapter 12 and chapter 22, Abram has a lot of chance to get along with God and learn that God is who he says he is. If you're struggling with your mission given, let me encourage you, get along with him because what you need to do is realize he is who he says he is. And when you realize that he is the God he says he is and he does not fail, I mean he does not ever fail. I've had people say, oh preacher, uh, God failed me. No, no, no. If it was a failure, it was on your part. God doesn't fail. Well, I, I got into this final situation and, and God didn't meet my needs. Well, wait a minute. Was it that you were in living above your means and you weren't paying attention to what God told you and you're blaming God? Because that doesn't work. Just like it didn't work, you get in trouble and asking God to bail you yeah, out. It doesn't work that way. You see, we have to know our place, right? Abraham knew that he could trust God so much that he was willing to take Isaac's life. I don't know that I can comprehend that, Brother Delbert. I, I don't know that, I just don't know that I could get to that place in my mind looking at my child. But here's the thing, shame on us for not being able to because if God promised it, it has to be true. We later find out that Abraham had such great faith, he believed that no matter what happened to Isaac, whether it was through death or life, God could resurrect him or keep using him, but he knew that God was going to do something through Isaac. Now, here's the thing. How will it change us and help us to continue? How will it change us and help us to stay the course? Well, once we've seen God do it once, we begin to realize he can keep doing it. He can keep doing it. I wish I could tell you some of the things financially God's done for me over the years. And people think, oh, well, you must have this uh, extra ability or this unique. No, no, I just trust the Lord. I, I don't, sometimes it amazes me. And, and I just am thankful that he does what he does. And, and, and I don't ever want to know how God does it because when I figure God out, he's not God anymore, right? I can't tell you how many folks over the years have said to me, preacher, I'm going to give so much to missions this year. And, and a few weeks later, they would come to me with a smile on their face and tell me how God did something miraculous so they could keep giving. One particular one that I love to, to tell is a widow lady. Her name was Oni. Uh, she was in my first church that we planted in Red Oak, Texas, and, and she was a talker. Uh, and she, she was one of those people that we, we talked about. If we need to get something out, we'd tell Oni. We used, to, we used to brag all the time about we had three forms of communication, telegraph, telephone, tell Oni. That's how we got our word out. She would get the word out. And so... She was 80 years old when she first started giving the Faith Promise missions. 80 years old. She had been involved in, in uh, Lottie Moon and all the other stuff. But when she came to our church, she heard about Faith Promise. And so 80 years old, she began to give. And she said, Preacher, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to trust the Lord. 
And I said, Miss Oni, if you trust the Lord, that's all you can do. And I said, he's not going to fail you. And so the next Sunday, she came to church, and she had a smile from ear to ear. And she was beeline from the back of the building all the way to the front. She said, preacher, I need to tell you what God has done. And I said, tell me what he did, Miss Oni. She said, he gave me a raise in my Social Security. And it's more than my faith promise. Now, some of y'all aren't getting that. I'm, when God can move the government, that's big stuff, amen? And, and some of y'all get that later on. I'm telling you, that was a big deal to her. It was a big deal to me. I never heard anybody getting a raise in Social Security. I didn't know they did that stuff. But it happened to her, and she was so excited that she trusted God, and he was faithful. Listen, folks, you can trust God. He'll be faithful every time. Now listen, look at verse uh, 8 of chapter 22 there. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Just so you're aware, Abraham's faith was so great that his son followed literally in his footsteps. I don't know where you stand on this, and it doesn't really matter, I guess, but some people have this different variation of how old Isaac was, whether he was a young teen or he was an older teen or whether he was an older man. It doesn't really matter, but you would have to agree with me, at Abraham's age, Isaac was old enough and young enough man that there was no way that Abraham could have subdued him physically. So when he laid upon the altar and let his dad bind his hands and bind his feet... He was submitting to his father because his father's faith was so great. He believed that that same God somehow would work for him. Listen, let me tell you why you continue, church. Because our kids and our kids' kids need to know they can trust God. They need to see us continuing. They need to see us staying the course and realize that there may be a sacrifice here and a sacrifice there. But no matter what we ever sacrifice, nothing compares to what God has done for us. It's a privilege to give to missions. It's an honor to send these men and women around the world. But they have to see our faith. He knew this because God had provided himself before in the covenant. So he knew that God would provide himself again. Just as Abraham, our friend, did, we need to place our faith in the course maker. In the course maker. There's undeniable proof in this precious book we call the Bible that God doesn't fail. So what has God promised us that we need to be considering? I think the biggest thing we have to consider when we talk about faith promises is, can God meet my needs? Let me remind you what God has said to you. In Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you write in your Bible, that word shall is a legal term. It's a legal term. God's made a commitment, a promise. And God honors his word. He honors his promises. To me, this is an area that we fail to believe that uh, trust God in. As I said earlier, we think he can save us for eternity, but we are struggling with letting him have our checkbook. We struggle with letting him have those things that are really very insignificant in our lives. 
This is when we mess things up. We need to believe that God can and will honor his word. No doubt God can meet our, our needs. He has the ability. It's whether we will trust him or not. So if God has you giving the missions and you're worried about how you're going to do it and continue on, let me just remind you, you don't have to doubt God. Now, let's look at the message real quick because I wanted to get to an application here. But first thing I want you to get tonight is this. God's timing may not be yours. I see so many folks in our day and age right now are saying, uh, you know, that they're worried about age. And I get it. I realize I'm not as young as I was 10 years ago. I, I get that. Don't like it, but I get it. But you know what? God's not aged a bit. God's not gotten any older. Nothing's harder for God. I mean, if you're looking at Abraham, who could argue? 99 and 100 being first-time parents together. I mean, most of us would say, we're out. <laughs> Amen? I mean, let's be honest. It was hard in our 30s and 20s, much less 199? They were saying to themselves, this is impossible. But here's the question that Abraham had to come to grips with. Who created that flesh you're worried about? It was God. Many today fret thinking that as we age or as we get through difficult times, we, begin, or we need to begin scaling back or thinking how we can do less. No disrespect, but let me ask you, who told us that lie? Who told us that lie? I had a man tell me one time, and he was, uh, he was not a member of my church. We were we attended the same church when I was younger. And I asked him, he was very disgruntled, and I said, what is, what's the deal? He said, well, I've kind of hit my Abraham years. I'm just going to sit back down and enjoy my life. And I said, where did you read that at? I mean, of all people, I mean, Abraham, this man, was, he was continually learning and growing and I mean, listen, you don't get into Hebrews chapter 11 without something big in your life. The problem is that somebody has fed us this story that when we get to a certain place in life, we have to stop or slow down or scale back or just quit. Listen to me, that's a lie. God wants us to continue and finish our course. You can't finish if you quit. You can't finish if you give up. And I know that there's a process of slowing down, but I'm telling you that a lot of people have just quit. We have to finish the course. And by the way, in case you misunderstand this, giving is not about dollars. It's more of a percentage game. God doesn't expect us to give uh, more than somebody else. By the way, somebody else is not your, your standard. The Lord is our standard. We have to stop looking at dollars and start looking at what God says. Time and age mean nothing to God. Secondly, God's ways may not be ours. You know, a lot of times we, we have this, as I said earlier, we have it all figured out. We have it all, man, we've got it. Lord, you don't have to get involved this year. I've already figured it out. We're going to go through the motions. We're going to go to the conference. We're going to sing loud. We're going to smile. We're going to wear our clothes nice. We're going to be all those things, but we've already got it figured out. Well, what if God wants something different? It may be God would have us do a little extra somewhere to earn a little bit more. Woo, got quiet there, preacher. It may just be that God wants us to do a little extra somewhere to make a little extra to give or a little extra to pay off some debt. I mean, God forbid we don't watch Desperate Housewives a few weeks and we get to do something else or we get off Facebook a while we can spend more time working or maybe we don't sleep for 12 hours a day. 
we could do a little more for the cause of Christ. A lady in Indiana, she heard a message like this, and she was in her 70s, and she was already retired, and she was doing well at home, and she was active in her church and very good to her church. But she realized she had a lot of extra time. And she said, you know what, I could do something. And sure enough, she picked up some little jobs that she knew how to do, a little sewing here, and, and she actually did some leave raking and things like that and made extra money. You know what she did? She gave it to the missions. Amen. And she got to see many more souls saved. But she didn't stop there. She also realized those extra hours that she wasn't sitting at home doing nothing, she could go out and knock doors. Amen. Yep. In her 70s, she became the number one soul winner in her church. You know why? Because she trusted what God said. She knew she had to stay the course and continue and not let somebody else do it because they can. Here, here's what I have learned in the ministry. Ability means nothing. Ability means nothing. I know some guys who are fantastic speakers. And I nor your preacher would let them stand before you if they offered us a million dollars. Yet I know some guys who stumble over themselves and struggle publicly for some of the greatest preachers and pastors I've ever met. And you know what? Their people love them. You know why? Because they love them. It's not about ability. Sometimes God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes we have to get out of the way. Here's the third thing. God's plan should be ours. Abraham learned all these lessons the hard way. I mean, God told him what he wanted. But hearing God and obeying God are two different things. And sometimes we have to get to the place where we say, you know what, I want God's plan to be my plan. Can you imagine how much more Abraham could have done had he learned these lessons earlier? Could you imagine how much more we could do if we'll grab hold of this right now? Because it's more than just this year. We're not going to continue just this year. Right. We're going to continue till he comes. Right. Someone would say, but preacher, he never succeeded. He never got all the land. Well, wait. When the millennial reign happens, God's going to run every Arab nation, every enemy of Israel out, and Israel will occupy that land. You just got to stay the course with us because we're going to watch it happen. Amen? We're going to have a front row seat to see God's promises. You know why? Because God's not a liar. Abraham had to learn to not trust himself but learn to trust the Lord. Scripture says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. There's that word shall again. You see, I don't know what to give. Trust him. He will direct you. It caused him to learn to give properly and stay the course. You say, what did Abraham give? He was willing to give it all. There's the message. How do we apply this? I don't think it's any good if we can't apply it, right? So by way of application, let's just make these three notes. Number one, we must learn to take God at his word. That's really the problem, isn't it? Well, I know God said it, preacher. Well, that ought to be enough. That's right. yeah. Thus saith the Lord, that ought to be sufficient. 
Whatever it is that God says, we have to learn to trust Him at His word. His promises are certain as He is. Second Corinthians, Paul said this, For all the promises of God are in Him, are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Anything he says, we can trust. We must take him at his word. I am convinced, and, and it's going to take a whole lot to get me off this, that the problem with the church today is not an inability, even though that really doesn't matter. It's not that we don't want it because we do. The problem is we don't trust God's word. I have said this repeatedly to our church. Right? My church is probably tired of hearing this because I tell them this. You only believe the part you practice. You only believe the part you practice. Don't tell me how much you love God and you won't tithe. Don't tell me how much you love God and you don't come to church. Don't tell me how much you love God and you're not giving to missions. Don't tell me how much you love God and you won't tell somebody how to get saved. Don't bring that nonsense to me because you only believe it if it's in the book. And you only practice it if you believe it. Well, you don't understand. We're in this church age where it's just different. It's not any different. People are still lost. Hell is still enlarging itself. What's different? Well, we're in a new age. What's new about it? Well, we're woke. We better leave that alone. We're wicked. You know why we're woke and wicked? Because they're lost. What do we expect out of the lost? If they knew how to be perfect, they wouldn't need us. In fact, what we ought to see is there's more opportunity. That's why God gave us the commission no less than five times. And probably more, if we'll be honest with ourselves, he's got it throughout the whole book. We should be preaching the gospel to everyone. Listen, I like the Yucatan. I think it's a great place. I don't want to stay there very long. But we need him. We need him. It's not even, a, it's, it's not even really a, a situation that we say, well, do we want to? We need him. Right. I'm not going to the Navajo Nation. We need them. Right. Need them. Yeah. See, it's a, it's a vital thing. But the only way we're going to continue to have missionaries like this go and do what they do is if we stay the course and we continue. At this pace, listen, this is, I'm not, this is not a scare take, this is truth. If something doesn't change, at the rate we're losing churches and the way where our churches are going backwards, we're not going to have missionaries on the field. We better start realizing we can take God at His word. Number two, we must learn to accept His timing and not ours. Let me help us here. So many say, if I just had more to give... You're missing it. You're missing it completely. It isn't about your ability or abundance. It's about trusting the Lord right where you are. I mean, Abraham said, God, all I have is Eliezer. And if he's the one, then, then tell me how this works. God said, you're missing it. You're just looking about right now. I have a plan for you. And the plan is going to be exactly as I said Take me at my word and trust me. Learn to accept my timing, not yours. But God, it's been a decade. Yeah. But time means nothing to God. Unless we forget, this is his business. 
and it doesn't do any good uh, for us to get worked up about it because it's going to be his timing no matter what. We're missing it. Here's the third thing. We must be willing to give God whatever he asks of us. Well, I'm giving every week to Faith Promise. What if he wants more? What if he wants you to go? We're planning a second work in the city of Dallas right now. I think we're in month three. As far as we know, there's no independent Baptist church in Dallas city proper. Don't know there has been for many years. Do you know we have a building? We have a piano. We have chairs. We have hymn books. We got Bibles. I got electric guitar. I, I got uh, um, pulpit. I think the only thing I don't have besides the offering plates is a preacher in Dallas, Texas. I know there's one out there, but I'm afraid he's somewhere reasoning with God right now. You see, there are folks who have already set parameters, maybe even some here tonight who have already set parameters about what you think you're going to allow God to do in your giving. What if God wants more from you than what you have set in those parameters? When I got saved, I told God, here's my life, here's the deed to my life, do whatever you want to do with me. I had no clue what that meant. But I trusted him. When I got serious with God, I went back to God and said, God, here's my checkbook. And I've signed it for you because it's yours anyway. You know what I learned? I learned that I could trust him because he never failed. And if he never failed in my life, then why would I not trust him with my finances? And then I said, God, here's my possessions, because they're yours also. You know what I learned through that is that every time I gave God more, he grew me. Here's what I learned. He's the covenant giver and the covenant keeper. He doesn't fail. He's the course maker, and all I have to do is stay the course and continue. As a kid, one of the few presents that I remember getting that was cool was a little racetrack. It was about this big, just had a big oval. And the little cars I got with it, they sat inside the track. They had a little dart, and they went in the track. And no matter what I did, they didn't come off the track. And a little handle, you push the button, and that thing would take off. And every time I squeezed it, it'd move, and when I let off, it stopped. It never left the track. It was always there. And I remember playing with that thing, and I wanted to get it going so fast I could throw it off the track sometimes, but it wasn't coming off. You know why? Because that dart was holding it on the track. Here's what I know to be true. When you give it all to God, He'll hold you on the track. If you'll just continue. I'm afraid many of us are like I was. 
I wanted to see how it works, so I took it apart one time. Never worked the same again. You know what? You don't have to take any apart. You can just trust God. It works. It works every time. What do I have to do? I've got to learn to please Him by walking, living, and trusting by faith. Or I can doubt and grieve Him. And I bet if I was to say, how many of you want to grieve the Lord? Nobody would raise their hand. But if I said to you, how many of you want to please Him by faith? You might raise your hand, but you really may not mean that. Why not? Why not continue? There just may be an Isaac in your life that's going to do something great because of what they see you do in your continuation of serving the Lord. But you have to stay the course. You have to continue. Amen? Will you stand with me, please? Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a minute. Talking about continuing. Praying we get you off on the right foot this week so that you can hear from God. No doubt you know that God wants you to do something. But I hope now He's giving you enough to think about to know exactly what it is that God wants and how to get there. Father, I ask you right now to help during this time as we prepare for the invitation. Lord, I pray that we'll take these things that have been mentioned tonight. Lord, I pray I've made it as simple as I can and as easy to understand. Lord, I pray that I've shown enough from your word how faithful and true you are. How that we just need to stay the course, learn to continue in the things that we know. Learn to trust you even when it doesn't seem possible. Lord, let the world and our families see our faith is so real that they too will trust you. Lord, would you work this invitation as only you can? I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While your heads are bowed. While Brother Shelton sings the first invitation.